Hello and welcome to What The Buck. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula. This podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me here every Monday at 9 a.m. as we dive into all things prenatal, birth, postpartum, and so much more. So let's jump into today's Welcome to another episode of What the Bump. Cassie is on the podcast today to share a little bit about herself um, and her birth story. So thank you for being here and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Starting off, tell us a little bit about who you are, um, what you do, and a little bit about your family. Okay. Um, I'm Cassie. I am a labor and delivery nurse. I um, have been doing that for a couple years now. I've been married to my husband for two and a half years. Um, and we have a 10 month old named Ambrose. Ambrose. I love that. That's mm-hmm. cute. Not something you hear often, which I think is hard when you're a nurse. Cause you're like, Oh my gosh, I've heard every baby mm-hmm. name. Yeah. You got to try to pick, pick something you haven't heard too, too much. So, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think I've ever heard of an Ambrose. I really like that. Very unique and cute. Mm-hmm. All right. So talking about your pregnancy with him um, what was that like? Um, well, yeah, so as a labor and delivery nurse, you know a lot about birth, but you don't really know that much about pregnancy. Like the the first and second trimester, you see people in the third trimester come in, but not a lot about the first and second trimester. So it was about as new for me as it is for about anybody else. Um, but I did lots and lots of research. So um, first trimester, there's a not a lot of vomiting, but a lot of nausea, a lot of yeah, I hate throwing up. So I think that's what kept me from throwing up, but I did everything I could to not, but maybe basically constant nausea for that first, first trimester. Um, actually, I, um, working as labor and delivery nurse, people can pick up on things too. So one of my coworkers, I was, all I would eat at work was crackers and saltine crackers. It's all I could eat. And one of my coworkers, I was probably seven weeks pregnant. It's like, Mm, are you pregnant? I'm like, mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised you kept it till seven. I feel like my coworkers like sniffed me out at like the day I knew. <laughs> they knew too. Yeah. That's yeah. so funny. And I totally agree with you. Like I, people always, I think are like shocked to hear me say, yeah, you know, I was a doula and a nurse when I was pregnant with my daughter and when I had her and I still Googled everything and people are like, what? Like, and I'm like, yeah, like you don't, you know, even, even going into birth and postpartum, like I thought, oh, I'm set up for success. Like I know so much. I do this. I teach other people how to do this. And I was like, okay, I don't know anything. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It can be totally shocking. Um, okay. So then how was the second trimester kind of that classic, like breeze that most people say it is? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was actually in three, I was in three weddings during my pregnancy, like part of the wedding party, but I went to, I think 10 weddings while I was pregnant. So, and most of the, most of those took place during, around during the second trimester. So that was good. Um, but yeah, no, it was pretty good. No, no complaints there. Um, and then we started, um, doing Bradley classes, um, Bradley birth method classes. Okay. I think when I was like 25 weeks, a little earlier than that. So 
And as you were kind of like approaching birth, how did you feel kind of nearing that third trimester, even towards the end of it? Do you feel like being a nurse made you like more confident, especially at the end? Cause that's our area of expertise. So did you feel like when you were kind of nearing the end, you were like, okay, like I know what to expect. I know all this stuff. Or did you feel like if anything, I mean, for me personally, I felt so much more anxious at the end because I saw so much. I knew so much. I knew things that went wrong. Um, so that really, like I had severe anxiety my last, especially my last few weeks, if not my entire pregnancy. Um, how did that impact you being a nurse, seeing so much, knowing so much and being pregnant yourself? I, yeah, definitely my entire pregnancy. I, yeah, I feel like it, especially preparing for birth, I feel like I had to relearn what a normal birth looks like not I mean we have normal births that I see but there's whenever something goes wrong it just becomes ingrained in your mind um so you have to relearn what a normal natural birth can look like so watched a lot of birth natural birth videos watched a lot of or listened to a lot of podcasts um that sort of stuff but I know yeah throughout the pregnancy too like seeing at my job seeing fetal demises and that sort of stuff like never felt confident you know till the very end that you know things were gonna be okay see you see things all the time you you do and and something that I always remind myself is like those bad things that we see are you know less than one percent but like you said for us it's kind of etched in our brains and it's something we can be like oh my god I feel like every other day like something terrible is happening Um, and it really is hard to you know I've said this before on the podcast like once a little bit of fear gets planted in you when you're pregnant it's really hard to uproot it and I feel like I felt that tenfold as a nurse like taking care of women who are losing their babies and here I am like okay, well, it's probably gonna happen to me. Um, even though that was not true. Uh, it's really hard to disassociate yourself from that. And, uh, I mean, I remember the day I went into labor, I was like the happiest, most relieved person ever. Cause I'm like, finally it's here. She's going to be out of me and I can control her. Like her on the inside was not my thing. Like it just, I loved being pregnant, but I was super anxious because I was a nurse. So I totally relate and understand. Um, you mentioned you did the Bradley course, you listened to podcasts, read some books. Is there anything else that you kind of um, did leading up to the end of pregnancy to prepare your, yourself for the birth that you wanted? Um, the big thing was the um, Bradley classes. I also looked a lot into uh, spinning babies. Um, she has a couple, um, if anybody doesn't know what spinning babies is, it's uh, Gail Tooley is the person in charge of it, but it's to different positions, different exercises you can do to help your baby to get into optimal position for birth. Yep. So. so learn some spinning babies moves yes. too. Great. Very important. And hopefully the Bradley class probably taught you guys a few too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it was, those classes were, I mean, they were good for both of us, but they were really important for my husband. To I've heard that a lot. How to support me in yes. labor, which was, which was good. And cause I'm like, well, I could tell you all about birth, but he would not have appreciated me teaching it. Like it was better that we did a class and we learned together. That way I wasn't like, oh, I know all these things. Here's yeah, which it's not like I know everything either, but it was yeah, very good for us to learn. It helps if they hear it from somebody else and are taught from somebody else. So my husband's a personal trainer. And if he gave me fitness advice, I'd be like, yeah, cool, whatever. But (laughs) if somebody else, even maybe with less experience than him, gave me fitness advice, I'd be like, oh, okay. Like, and actually take it. It's so bad that we do that. But same thing with birth. Birth, I feel like my doula teaching my husband things and comfort measures was a lot better than me teaching it because he actually listened and paid attention a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I had her day of too, but yeah, I, I totally agree. It's those courses, especially, I feel like when you have a background in this is it's a lot for them more than, than us, but very important still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going into labor, what were you planning? What were um, the birth preferences that you were hoping for? Okay. So I knew going into, um, my pregnancy and stuff that I would want, not want to go with any of the OBs at my hospital because I knew like the hospital I work at would just be associated with the stress of work. Not that like, there's lots of good things that happen at my job, but like walking into work just automatically causes some anxiety. So I knew I did not want to deliver there. Um, but actually turns out they're in a hospital. It's the same hospital system as my, um, hospital. I work at more of a rural hospital, but like in the bigger, uh, city close to where I live, um, there's a hospital that has a birth center within their like labor and delivery unit. So very cool. Um, and turns out their OB office is like within walking distance from my house. Mm -hmm. So I would walk to some of my appointments, um, which was great. Um, and yeah, so I wanted to do unmedicated, um, unmedicated. Yeah. It was my preference. Um, yeah. So the unit that I deliver on, or I plan to deliver on, um, you don't need to have an IV unless you have, were GBS positive and needed treatment for that. But, um, as long as you didn't have any complications, like, yeah, gestational hypertension or anything else, you could stay in that unit instead of having a hospital bed. They had a, a normal, like king size bed. Um, what else did they do? We, uh, I saw, uh, midwives, certified nurse midwives. Um, I think there were six of them that worked at the practice that I went to, which is nice that they had that many. And so someone could always be on call, but like other practices, you don't ever know who's going to yeah. the practice. You don't ever know who's going to be there when you're having your baby, but. That's awesome. I love that like combo. Um, I wish every hospital would do that there. It's so nice. Like, cause then if, if you change your mind, which happens during labor and you decide you want an epidural, you just go across the hall and actually, you know, go into a labor and delivery room. Um, that's, you know, not a part of the birth center. So I love that that's an option. I feel like if anything, it encourages women who are laboring on Medicaid even more to continue. Cause it does get tough. That's a given. That's a fact. Um, if you say you have a pain-free birth while I did not experience that, but good for you. Um, and most women do not. So I never prepare clients for, you know, anything like that. But um, if anything, I feel like that would encourage you even more because it puts a barrier between you and an epidural. That's not to say if you feel like birth is becoming torturous or you're struggling or you're not coping well, you shouldn't go over to the other side and get an epidural. You definitely, you know, maybe should. Every situation's different. But I love that it kind of puts a little bit more of a barrier in there and encourages you even more to continue on medicated because it's like, oh, well, I have to transfer rooms and get a new nurse and mm-hmm. wait for anesthesia and get an IV placed and get fluids. Like it puts some barriers there. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. But you still have, it's like a home birth, but you still have the safety net of an OR being down the hallway. Yes. Um, I, was, I, I love that design. Yeah, that was big um, for me and for my husband that like the idea of a home birth sounds really cool to me and like relaxing and natural, but I think it would make my husband and myself more anxious to be in our home than to be in a hospital. And so it, it like turns out really well that this um, hospital that's 20 minutes from our house has this birth center in their labor and delivery unit. So if, you know, they have a, you know, the biggest NICU in our area, you know, yeah, all these things that if something were to happen, we had a safety net. Yeah. 
All right. So you were planning birth center, hospital-ish mm-hmm. <laughs> birth center. People think like freestanding alone. So you're like a birth center attached to the hospital, um, mm-hmm. on medicated. I know you put, um, no, you wanted like low intervention, no Pitocin kind of avoiding mm-hmm. all of that stuff as well. Um, which is funny as nurses, you'd think we'd be like, yeah, whatever you want. But I think we see the downfall effects of those, that cascade mm-hmm. of interventions, which I have a feeling you're going to touch on at the end of why you are looking at maybe getting into other work lines of work surrounding birth. But, um, okay. So that was your kind of preferences. Tell us about going into labor and how that unfolded. Yes. Yes. So at the time I was a night shift labor and delivery nurse. So we work, uh, three nights a week, four hour shifts. Um, so I think I'd worked on like a Monday night and then I had to work on Thursday night. So I had a few nights off. Um, but I usually between shifts would stay up till like two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. So then I could sleep in until noon so I could get up at noon. So I wouldn't be up for from eight o'clock in the morning until eight o'clock the next day. So I went to bed or stayed up till three o'clock in the morning and then woke up at 5 a.m. two hours later with contractions. To me, they felt like poop cramps. That's like the best way I can describe the beginning contractions. I was like, mm, I, either, I either have to... I mean, I have to go poop, have diarrhea, or I'm in labor. One of the two. Which is, so. and if you say this, I also want to differentiate because a lot of people think that when you hear the word, oh, I have to poop, they're thinking of that pressure at the end of labor. But what you're describing no. is more those stomach, kind of like upset stomach Creepy, poop, yes. not like butt pressure. Not butt um, pressure, correct. <laughs> yes. And one of the best telltale signs of early labor is that upset stomach. And then guess what happens? You, it is poop cramps. It really yeah. is. You go and you, your body just cleanses itself on the toilet. It happened to me my first like two hours of labor. Um, so I am assuming that's what happened next for you. It did. It did not, not right away, but that definitely did happen during my labor. I was like, Oh, I really did have to poop. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was how it started. And from the get go, it was every, oh, every four to five minutes. So I was contracting. So I was got out of bed, went on the couch, tried to rest while my husband was still sleeping. I didn't ever fall back asleep, but I was able to rest between contractions and they weren't, you know, that hard to, you know, get through in the beginning. Um, and he wakes up at seven o'clock and I didn't want to tell him, but, you know, I had to tell him that I was having contractions and he's like, well, do we need, you need me to stay home? I'm like, no, you can go to work. You can. How many weeks were you? 38 and three. Okay. Three weeks and three days. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was prepared mentally to like go to 42 weeks as, but as you should be. Yeah. As I did at my last day of work. I was like, I really do not want to come back to work. Like I was huge and just tired. I'm like, if I, I would be very happy if you could come before the next day of work and but lo and behold, yeah, he, he listened. Um, yeah. So he went to work. I was, I don't know, doing housework, trying to keep myself distracted. Um, and so he texted me around noon and was like, are you still having contractions? I was like, yeah, but you can stay at work the rest of the day. It's fine. I just wanted to not believe I was in labor or just forget about it as long as I could, which is helpful. But he was like, mm, I think I'm going to come home. So he did. And I mean, we, we told patients too, you're supposed to call your provider if you're having contractions that are every like three to five minutes apart, which is what I was doing. And I was like, mm, they don't need to know. But my husband got home and was like, you should really call them. So I did. 
And they're like, yeah, you should probably come in to the hospital. I was like, okay. So I'm like, still moseying around and I'm like brushing my hair as my husband's like loading all bags up into the car. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I do not want to go to the hospital and be one centimeter. And then they send me home, like biggest fear. So we went in um, and I was four centimeters. So it was great. So we, at the hospital, um, I went to the, their triage is the same triage for everybody. So I went to triage just like everybody else. And then I think they had to put me on the um, electronic fetal monitor for 20 minutes or so, do like an NST just mm -hmm. to make sure everything looked okay on the baby. And it did. So they got a room set up on in the birth center and I was able to transfer to there. Um, yeah. So at that point, still coping pretty well with the contractions. They're still coming about every two to five minutes. Um, used a heat pack around that time. And then my husband would do counter pressure occasionally. I feel like I had a lot of back labor, not a lot of back labor. Okay. So we got to the birth center then around two, two 30 in the afternoon. Um, and then, yeah, basically the next four or five hours were, you know, contractions every two to three minutes. And then we got into a rhythm, me and my husband, that we didn't have a doula. In hindsight, that would have been a nice thing to have more for the sake of my husband than for me, because he got exhausted doing counter pressure every three minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so he would do counter pressure. I would tell him higher, lower, you know, that sort of stuff. And yeah. we did a where every time a contraction would start, I would say, okay. And then he would do counter pressure. And then when my contraction would be coming down, I would say, okay. So hey. I think like I said, okay, a thousand times yeah, I bet. a day. Cause I didn't want to explain myself. Like I'm having a contraction. I just said, okay. And he knew yeah. it. He knew what I needed. So then they checked my cervix again, or I asked them to check my cervix again. And it had been like, six, seven hours since I got to the hospital, you know, painful contractions that I had to breathe through every two to three minutes. I'm like, I at least had to make, you know, a centimeter of change. No, still four centimeters, You're bulging. Joking. No, four centimeters with a bulging bag. So okay. that was nice. Um, 80% of base zero station. So I was like, okay, well, I think one of those things might have changed in my station might've been like a little lower, whatever, but I was not impressed with the progress. So that was kind of, uh, or vaginal exams are tough because I wanted to know because it'd been so long and I wanted to know if I'd made progress. Probably been better if I would have not gotten that vaginal exam. Thankfully with the unit I was delivering on, they didn't force any vaginal exams on me. They said, I wanted to know, I asked them, can we do a vaginal exam? So that was good. That felt empowering to be able to kind of use that tool as I wanted to use it. Uh, so that was good. Um, but at that point, that tool kind of failed me. So yeah. yes. So after that, it kind of hit more of a mental block because, mm -hmm. you know, a couple hours after that, I was like, I'm probably not making any progress. I was having a ton, a ton of back labor, which listening to stories and see patients and like, I, probably the baby's probably OP. He's going to, I'm going to be in labor for two days and I'm not going to make any progress. So I'm like, 
doing four leading inversions, okay. doing all the different spinning babies things, bouncing on the ball, you know, on my hands and knees, doing everything I could to try to get him to flip if that was the problem. So I think it was about four, five hours later, I think I had a mental mental breakdown. Uh, I'm like, if if this is gonna go on for much longer, I'm like, I need to go get an epidural or something because I was just exhausted. I was going off two hours of sleep. And yeah, it was just yeah, just exhausted. I'm gonna really just, quick. So you, you mentioned OP for anybody, and I'm, I've talked about this on the podcast before and it's mentioned, but just in case somebody does not know, um, OP is occiput posterior. So it's where baby is sunny side up is the more common like term for non-medical people. You'll hear of a sunny side up baby. So that's where they are trying to come out face up, which normally does not fit well through the pelvis. So when Cassie says that she thought her baby was OP, what that looks like a lot of times is this characteristic, like random kind of stall of labor, despite hard, powerful contractions, despite being in active labor, you know, past that four centimeter mark. Um, you know, it, it's normally just a stalled out labor. You can push for a really long time. It definitely increases your rate for cesarean section. And they just get kind of wedged in this funny, sunny side up um, position where they don't want to come down and they don't want to come out. So when she said she was doing forward leaning inversions and spinning babies moves, sideline release, those are all different things that you can do to kind of help them turn. You know, it's, it's like a lock and a key. You don't just put a key in your front door and it opens. Same with the baby's head. It doesn't just come straight out. It rotates and it turns just like a key does into, into a lock. So I just wanted to touch on that in case anybody was kind of confused on, on what that meant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then, yeah. So I wasn't really the contractions that like were bugging me that much. It was the exhaustion. Yeah, like, I can, I could breathe through the contractions. I can make it through those. I was so tired. And if I, if you, I would have known when the end was, I would have been like, okay, I can like make it for that much longer, but you don't know. That's yeah. like I think the hardest part about labor. If you knew, if you know the end time, you can, I can, I can make it through for that much longer. Yeah. She had a patient not that long ago yeah. who I, she was getting close to the end. I'm like, I think it'll be like 15, 20 minutes. She's like, I'm going to hold you to that. And it was, but yeah, knowing that end yeah. time. And, is, it, and it's so hard because cervical dilation is not linear. And that's why we don't know the end because yes. you know, we've, I'm sure you've seen it hundreds of times over where somebody flies to six centimeters and then it's like 24 hours till they get to 10 or they take for ever to get to six and then they're 10 within five minutes yep. so it is the most unpredictable thing in the world mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah so got through that mental breakdown and i was like okay i want them to check my check my cervix again um actually in between there i had taken my husband was getting really tired too so I was like i'm gonna hop in the shower um in the birth rooms they all have jacuzzi tubs and showers so i let him take a nap while um, the nurse helped me into the shower. Um, I forgot to mention on this birthing uh, birth center, we did an intermittent auscultation. So it was every 30 minutes, they would use a Doppler to check the baby's heart rate, which was awesome to be able to move around and not have uh, wires connected. Uh, yeah, so got in the shower, um, that was really nice. I honestly enjoyed the shower a lot more than the tub, which I'll talk about in a little bit, but Cause you could crank the shower temperature up to as high as it would go. That's what I did. I like hold yourself to almost, yourself. <laughs> almost burning my skin in order to distract from the contractions. Uh, I also had combs that was squeezing my hand. I swear by those. Every time I have a patient who's trying to have a natural delivery, I'm like, Oh, let me get you some combs. Yes. 
I love those. Uh, yeah, so I got out of the shower and I was like, okay, can we check my cervix again? Cervix again? And I was six to seven centimeters, still with a bulging bag of fluid. So I was like, okay, I can, I can do this. Um, and then at the birth center, they wanted you to uh, knock it into the tub until you were like six centimeters because they didn't want it to slow, slow down. down your labor. Um, yes. So I got into the tub then after that and kind of hated it a little bit. Uh, it helped me to relax between contractions. I think it helped me to progress, but like the thing that helped me the most throughout my labor was that counter pressure and the way the tub was set up. There wasn't really room for my mm -hmm. husband to be in there doing counter pressure. So I'm like, just laying in there during contractions, trying to do my, you know, low moans and relax and everything. But inside I was like, somebody needs to press in my back <laughs> and I can't, um, but I stayed in there for probably a couple hours. Um, yeah. And then again, I was like, I'm exhausted. Let me, can we check my cervix one more time to see if I'm close at all? Cause I knew I still had my water was still intact. So I was like, maybe, if I'm close enough, let's break my water. And turns out it was nine and a half centimeters with a bulging bag. I was like, okay, we're done. We're done. I'm gonna, we're gonna break my water. Um, in my birth plan, I didn't want my water to be broken, but then things changed because yeah. I, yeah, I knew that that was probably the last thing that was really holding that last bit of my cervix up. So and at that point, you know, it's going to break within the next, yeah, hopefully like, like 30 minutes, you know, it's got to break at some point, most of the time, nature, help nature along yes. a little bit. So I got out of the tub because I knew I would not, I hadn't decided beforehand whether or not I wanted a water birth, but at that point I was like, I kind of hate the tub. So we're going to get out and get onto the bed. Um, another thing that I also love hated was going to the bathroom, like going pee. Awful. Mm -mm. Awful. Terrible. Yeah. Like it helped me to progress. I'm sure when I was sitting on the toilet, but no, those contractions were the worst. I feel like I got stuck there and couldn't move. I feel like that re releasing your bladder. I felt like just, I felt things. paralyzed on the toilet. I was like, yes. Oh my God, I can't get back up. I was stuck in this. My doula was like, let's get up and empty your bladder. And I, I still, to this day, hold her accountable for that pain. She cost me. Yeah. Which is very important. But yes. But yeah. awful. No awful. Yes. Um, yeah. So we got back to the bed and they broke my water, um, which they want to wait as long as they can to do that too on this unit. Cause if they break your water and you have meconium, um, fluid, then they have to transfer you to labor and delivery if, you know, pushing isn't imminent. So, so I wanted to wait as long as possible for that, but thankfully no meconium. So, uh, got to within probably about 15, 20 minutes of that, um, started to feel an urge to push. It was never, I think it was never the uh, fetal ejection reflex wow. people talk about, but I think I was just so tired of being in labor. I was like, I'm nine and a half centimeters. I'm just going to start pushing, which was a little bit painful. I'm like, why does this hurt so bad? They're like, You're probably not all the way dilated yet. I'm like, well, <laughs> so I waited for, after they said that I waited for like another you know, 20 minutes and then I was like, okay, it's time. So yeah, I started pushing, but it was nice that they never really coached me how to push. Thankfully, I had enough experience with watching patients and listening to birth stories and stuff. Um, 
I feel like with my patients, a lot of times just the culture on my unit is to coach purple pushing, which is, you know, hold your breath, push for 10, 10 seconds with people yelling at you for yes. all those 10 seconds, which is helpful to some people, but I know it's not going to be helpful to me, but um, yeah, so that was nice. So I just got to push with my own instincts, um, push for about an hour and uh, 15 minutes. I think I really lost, lost track of time at that Absolutely. point. I uh, tried hands and knees pushing, did not love that. So most of the time it was just sideline with, I think it was a nurse that was holding my leg or yeah, holding my leg while I was like resting. And then I would pull my one leg while I was pushing. I think my husband was by my head, you know, patting it. Or something. <laughs> patting. I don't remember. I just know. Yeah. In that labor land. Definitely. Sure. Absolutely. So yeah, then my little guy was born at 5 14 in the morning, wow. 24 hours after starting labor. Up. Yeah. But so, that's like on average, we say 24 hours for first time moms and you fit that perfectly. <laughs> I fit it perfectly. I just know several, yeah, several times during my labor. Why is this taking so long? When midwife's like, you know, things to, like it's a process. I'm like, oh, but it's different when you're yeah. the person in labor. Yes. You hear 24 hours and people are like, okay. And then when you actually live 24 hours, they're like, oh my goodness. And I cannot imagine you coming off of, you know, not sleeping, but two hours. So mm -hmm. think about you really almost went a whole two days with, you know, only two hours of sleep. Um, that's amazing that you stuck through you, you, you persevered, even though you had those mental blockades and those breakdowns with the cervical exams. Um, it's amazing that you, you know, never gave up, uh, and, and you did it. <laughs> I did it. Yeah. I, I know the first like two minutes after he was born like I was not that excited about him I was just so excited that I was done with labor like the relief was incredible oh, oh my god when they come out it is like instantaneous relief it's like from being 24 hours of one of the most intense feelings of your life to nothing like I'm crying postpartum and I'm like, oh my God, it just feels so good. And I'm like, not talking about my baby in my eyes. I'm talking about the fact that I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. And after those couple months, I was like, oh yeah, like the baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm excited to be a mom, but you know, That's awesome. very relieved to be, be done. But yeah, he did, he did great afterwards. He didn't have a big cry afterwards, which like as a labor and delivery nurse, I'm like, what's wrong? Is he okay? But he was fine. Yeah. And I actually got to cut my own cord. Wow. Cool. Uh, my husband didn't really, wasn't particularly interested. So they were like, you can cut it. I'm like, that's awesome. So <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. The delayed cord clamping, all the things, which is really nice being at a birth center that I didn't have to really even advocate for those things. It was yep. just you know, part of my birth plan. Uh, yeah. So that was Awesome. That was awesome. Well, and how, how was postpartum, you know, those first few weeks and even now, um, how, how are you doing? Good, good. The baby blues are a real, real thing. They things I used to educate my patients. So I work labor in delivery and postpartum because I work at a small hospital. So now I'm better educating patients about those baby blues versus postpartum depression. Uh, I know I went to target at one point within those first couple of weeks because my baby had diaper rash and I cried all the way to target because I was a bad mom because my baby had diaper rash. Mm. It was terrible. Like go on walks and just randomly cry. I'm like, what this? Yeah. Yeah. This must be the baby blues. So totally. Is. But other than, 
other than that, it was, it was just a lot, a lot to learn. I thought it would be easier. I thought breastfeeding would be easier and it was not, did not come as natural, as easy as I thought it would. Uh, breastfeeding, I mean, I'm still breastfeeding now, which has been, been awesome. But those first couple weeks, uh, he had a regressed jaw mm. in the beginning. So nothing that affects him now, but just think of everything was tight. Yeah. And so I had to do chin support while breastfeeding him. And then my nipples got sore enough. They had to use like yeah. a nipple shield for a little bit. So I was like trying to use this nipple shield and use the nipple shield and hold you his chin. A million hands. And yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was tough. But once, yeah, after those first couple of weeks, that got better. Um, I work with a couple of lactation consultants and I was like texting one of them. I'm like, my nipples are bleeding. Like, is this normal? And she's like, no, you should come in and be seen. I'm like, I don't need to be, seen. you know, so I should have seen a lactation consultant. I toughed it out. Should not have, should have gone and seen somebody, but mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you definitely, you know, take all the help you can get every resource that's available to you exhaust it. Even if you know, nursing was going good and you weren't having these issues, like it never hurts to go and just like, let them watch and, and give you suggestions and tips and ask questions. Um, I think that we are so stubborn when it comes to postpartum, just as women, like, you know, you have friends who'll be like, well, let me know if you need anything or let me know if you need help for, to come watch the baby. And I'll just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, you, you, you kind of don't take it seriously, I guess, but people Mm -hmm. actually are genuinely offering and actually genuinely want to help you when you have a new baby. And I wish I would have said to my friends who said that, okay, come over tomorrow, hold my baby for three hours so I can take a nap. Like, and I'm doing that with my second. If you say, Hey, let me know if you need help. I'm not going to do it. Like I did with my first and be like, okay. Like, I'm going to be like, okay, what are you doing tomorrow? (laughs) watch my toddler, watch my baby. Let me take a nap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Gosh. And then there's going to be two of them too with the next. So that's a whole nother ball. Game. But I totally know what you mean. It, it is hard when people are like, Oh, you know, they, they want to help. And even lactation consultants, um, it's hard to accept it. Mm-hmm. Anything, you know, now that you are, how old is your baby? You said he is 10 months. Okay. I thought you said 10 months. Um, how are you feeling now? 10 months out. I mean, I know things I feel like personally get easier as you go. Um, so, so at 10 months, how are you feeling? Love it. It's, it's so, so much more fun. fun. It's so fun. Yeah. I thought I would love the baby stage, like the newborn stage. I did not love it. It was, it was hard work. I mean, it was, there are definitely good parts about it. They're not as hard to, they don't get into things, but oh, gosh, no, yeah. they like, so awesome to see the little things that he learns now, like personality. Yes, yes, yes. As babies, there's just no personality. They just like sleepy and poop, which is like you said, has its own cons or I mean, I'm sorry, its own pros. Um, but it's so fun as they get older. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that is, that's amazing. And also I didn't even ask you this. How did you feel physically as far as healing those first couple of weeks also? Oof. Yeah. Train wreck. Um, I feel like the first, so me and my husband went to church that was, we had him on a Friday and we went to church on Sunday. So we came home from the hospital after like 24 hours, uh, and then went to church on Sunday, which you are was a brave woman, very bold. Very yeah. Bold. Wow. My mother-in-law came over to hold the baby during while we went to church. But when we went to, got into church, my husband had like a hat on cause it was November and it was cold. And there was some man who made some comment, like, as we got into church, so like, it was disrespectful to have a hat on and I about lost it. <laughs> I was like, you do not know what we just went through. Oh <laughs> I'm shocked you were walking that much. Yeah. I feel like I was like to the couch in the bathroom and that was it. <sighs> yeah. So it was, 
I like could barely stand up during church. So in hindsight, probably should have waited like a week, but yeah, very sore, but in general, not too bad. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay. So last thing that I kind of wanted to ask you about, um, after your birth, I know that you said that you've had an interest in kind of, um, becoming a doula. So tell me like, what has sparked that in you, I guess, was it birth? Was it, you know, just what you saw as labor and delivery nurse? What kind of drove that passion to you? So a little bit of both, both my own experience, like feeling like I was in charge and empowered and just the education that I had and I went through um, was a big thing. And just seeing my patients that come into birth with no knowledge, we you always ask them if they've done any childhood education, they say no. And then they have no idea, they aren't really able to make their own choices. And like, the OBs have their best interest in mind, but OBs are also there to, Sometimes. to get, to have, to do interventions. Like that's what they're trained to do. They're trained, uh, I think I've heard the analogy that really they're there to be lifeguards. They should be there to be lifeguards of your uh, birth experience. But a lot of times they're there trying to dictate the, dictate the experience, which if you don't have any education going into a birth, you you're not, better. you really don't know any better. And it's hard to, if you're not able to yeah, advocate for yourself. Then it's hard to, yeah, if you don't have the knowledge, you really aren't able to advocate for yourself, which is where a, where a doula comes in. Um, yeah. So, and I feel like with, as a nurse, much of our time is spent charting mm-hmm. and I hate it. Yep. I hate charting. I hate that whole yeah, I'd rather be there supporting patients emotionally, physically, but I don't have time to do that when I'm having to chart every 15 minutes on every little thing that's happening. And yeah, so I love birth and I want to be able to support people throughout their pregnancy, throughout their birth, um, really make a connection with those people instead of them being in labor coming to me. And it's you know too late at that point to really do much education when you're you know, in the throes of labor. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is, you know, exactly where, where my standpoint is. I wanted to educate. I wanted to be there throughout pregnancy. And my thought first was like, well, I need to go back to medical school or, or, or midwifery school. And, um, that seemed too far away and I was too impatient. So I became a doula and, and I really do love it. Honestly, it answers that calling of like everything that, you know, we just talked about and definitely removes the charting aspect, which I'm so thankful for. I no longer chart at all. I don't have to worry about stepping away to like record the position that my client's in. It literally doesn't matter. Um, so it, it really does marry that passion that I had as a nurse. And also for me, like, I don't want to take orders from a physician all day long. Like that's just not where my heart is with birth. Um, I think birth is completely normal. And I think that a lot of times, um, like you kind of said, you know, these providers are supposed to be lifeguards and maybe they're dictators. And for me, I, I, I don't, I don't want to work for a hospital. I don't want to work for a doctor. I want to work for clients and for, for patients and what they want. Um, and not kind of be like a little minion that, you know, does, does everything that, that they're told, whether it's right or wrong, that's the issue. You know, as a nurse, you can't speak up if a doctor is telling you, Hey, this, you need to start Pitocin. Um, but maybe her labor is actually progressing. It's just slower than what they want. You don't have much place to say, 
hey, no. I mean, yeah, certain physicians, you could say, well, you know, she has made that you can kind of advocate and, and argue back a little bit, not argue, but just be like, well, you know, she has made, mm-hmm. give them a little bit of insight. Um, but at the end of the day, you really do have to do exactly what they say as they say it. And um, as a doula, you don't have to. So I, mm-hmm. I love it. it. It really, I think it's, it's the best job in the world. It is super fun. You're also not taking care of people. You don't know, you know, you're taking by the end when my clients call me in labor, I feel like I'm going to my best friend's birth. Like Mm -hmm. I, I love it. I hang out with my clients months postpartum still like they are my best, some of my best friends and my family even, and, and I love them to death. So I think it's also just very rewarding when you compare it to being a nurse, because you can't really follow up with people. You can sometimes as a nurse, but you also have like HIPAA. So it's not like you can just like take care of a patient, then go find her on Facebook necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some rules and, and regulations behind those things and patient information. So um, as a doula, you know, you just get follow-up forever. I love watching my doula babies just grow. It is amazing. (laughs) My clients will send pictures and they're like six months old. And I'm like, I feel like you gave birth yesterday. It's really (laughs) incredible. It's awesome. Yeah, I had a patient who had a doula, which I don't see very often at my hospital, um, but a couple weeks ago, and it was, it was awesome. Like just seeing the support she was able to give the patient. And there's just a couple things that came up that we were able to, you know, discuss. And we were able to, I was able to see how the doula was able to you know, help the patient advocate for herself when it came to her birth preferences, um, which I kind of tried to learn from that I can't necessarily tell the doctor no, but the patient can, like I've been trying to do better at telling the patients that you don't have to do what these physicians are telling you to do. Like they, physicians have their reasons and you should listen to the reasons, Yeah, but you need to ask why you shouldn't just blindly accept whatever they're saying. Yeah. Even, yeah. Even if you do accept what they're saying, you should ask why. So you're not, you know, traumatized afterwards because you didn't know why something was happening. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's all about educated, informed decisions, asking, you know, the pros and cons and why, and what is this going to change and where are we going from here? And, and all those different things, even with like a cervical exam, you know, it's important to know what are the risks, what are the benefits, what type, what is this going to change moving forward? Is this going to cause an intervention? Is it, you know, all those things. I, I totally agree. Empowering other women to be educated and co- and confident, you know, it's, it's really hard for sometimes some people, it's hard to even ask a doctor like, okay, well, why? Like that can be really, really hard for some people. So even just empowering women to say, Hey, you know, just ask them what their reasoning is. Why? Like, let's discuss this. Let's talk about it. And opening up that floor and instilling that confidence, I think is even huge. You never advocate necessarily for them because at the end of the day, they have to give consent for anything and everything, mm-hmm. but just giving them that, that, confidence I think to even have a discussion um is really important yeah as a doula then you know what they want before yes you can have a discussion like what are your preferences what are you looking for in this birth before you're there and again they're in the throes of labor and just a hard time to be educated and hard time to make informed you know peaceful thought well thought out decisions. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Cassie. Well, I think I might've said that was my last question, but I actually have one more, um, really quick. If you had to give like one of your top pieces of advice for women who are pregnant or planning to be pregnant or already moms, what would it be? Education, 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 education. Yeah, definitely take a birth class, take, you know, a newborn class, take some sort of, some sort of education. If you want to hire a doula, do that. But educate yourself 
on the decisions you'll have to make for yourself and for your baby when it comes to your birth. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for um, sharing your birth story and also, you know, about your career and where your heart is at with it. We really appreciate you sharing everything and I appreciate your time. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.